welcome back to the show where we uncover the barriers and obstacles that prevent you from getting things done, aka the monsters and myths. I've only recently met today's guest, who is an imposter syndrome specialist and author. And that immediately piqued my interest because imposter syndrome is something that I have frequently encountered in my life as a public speaker. And I still regularly have to try and overcome or combat this monster. So it's with great excitement that I introduce Tara. Tara, would you like to tell the guests a little bit about yourself? And then we'll dive straight into the monsters and myths that surround imposter syndrome. Okay, lovely. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me here. So um, I have been a holistic therapist and coach for 21 years. And for the last five of those, I've been specializing in imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome is the secret feeling of being a fraud when you're not. Uh, <laughs> and it affects high achievers in particular. And I run an eight-week program for uh, C-level executives to get rid of imposter syndrome. And I want to run a 12-week program for coaches to teach them how to do the eight-week program themselves. Fantastic. And I'm not so sure it's such a secret feeling either. I, I, a lot of the public speakers specifically that I, I, um, that I deal with, that I work with, that I encounter, that are my peers, my friends, there isn't one yet who, who hasn't had to face this demon. And, and all of us at some point go, we just feel like a fraud. So let's dive straight in. What's your first monster and myth surrounding this, this topic? Well, it, it's interesting that some people do call imposter syndrome the imposter monster, and they will say, I have been visited by the imposter monster. Um, and there's a few myths around it. It's starting, as you say, to be talked about more. It was first identified back in 1978. And so it's, it's had one of those hockey stick curves where, where, where now it's being talked about. And that's really very important. Um, the first myth that people who have imposter syndrome believe is that it's a personal flaw and it's just them. Nobody else, because nobody else seems to have it, it's just them. And for that reason, they keep it a secret. But the problem is, if everybody's keeping it a secret, then everybody continues to believe this myth that it's just them and they don't see how common it is. You get the idea that it's rare and actually it affects 70% of high achievers at some point in their career. Wow, that's astonishing. I didn't realize that it was such a high, uh, a high number of them. And, and yeah, I think that is one of the biggest things is by not talking about it, it, it sort of grows in the shadows and becomes all consuming because, you know, people do think, you know, it's got to just be me. It's, it's my fault. This is just something I can't show anybody because it's a sign of weakness. I can't possibly let anybody know that I think I'm a fraud mm -hmm. um, because it must be because I am. Yes. So what's the magic? How do you how do you overcome that? What, how do you even go about starting to tell people, don't worry, it's not you? 
it's... Well, I, I think the, the first is exactly what we're doing right now, which is talking about it. We're getting rid of that secrecy. We're taking the monster out of the dark. And like when you take a monster out of the dark closet, it becomes smaller. We can see it. it it's manageable. So the, there's two parts to the magic, two ma magic wands, if you like. One is managing imposter syndrome and the other is actually getting rid of it. So to manage imposter syndrome, it's all about managing um, situations of high challenge and low support, making sure you get good support as best you can, and also managing your nervous system because it triggers you into the fight, flight and freeze states. And then in terms of the, the, the second magic wand, if you like, is eliminating imposter syndrome. And to do that, you have to go right to the belief that underlies imposter syndrome, because everything that people experience about imposter syndrome, which includes um, perfectionism, procrastination, deflecting praise, uh, hiding opinions, not going for promotions or jobs, all, all of those things are just symptoms. And what underlies imposter syndrome is a belief, a belief in our worth, that our worth depends on what we do. So to eliminate imposter syndrome, the magic is to change that belief. And then like, I guess the monster in the sunlight, it just disappears. The rest of it just disappears. <laughs> you make it sound so easy. And, and as somebody who, who has struggled frequently in the past and who still struggles, there are, are definitely occasions when I'll be asked to get on stage in front of a whole lot of people who are absolute subject matter experts on something that I'm not a subject matter expert about. Mm -hmm. I have a different opinion and different viewpoint mm -hmm. that whoever's invited me has believed will be of value to this audience. Mm -hmm. and, and it is that thing of going, I'm not trying to tell them what they already know. And that's not what I'm bringing to the party. Mm -hmm. And it is very much having that belief in, but I do still have something to say mm -hmm. that hopefully I'll be able to say in a way that they that they, that they do see is of value. Um, and I hadn't thought about it until you've actually just brought it up there now, how it could actually impact you at work in terms of even putting yourself forward for promotion um, and things like that. Can you just, before we go into the next one, just talk to, you know, how do you deal with people who, who, who look, they self-deprecating and they go, well, I can't possibly go for that position because I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. How do you help them over that? Well, the, the imposter syndrome is is for the people who, who are good enough and who are already yeah. successful. They have lots and lots of proof of their success. They just, they just don't believe it makes them quite good enough. It's, it's, it's like they never quite feel like they've made it. And so they don't enjoy the success. So, yeah, so, so managing the symptoms can help calm things down for certain and and there and there are various um you know psychological techniques of gradually doing something a little bit more but but staying within your comfort zone rather than you know jumping all in and just <laughs> triggering your nervous system into fight fight and freeze but the resolution is to address that belief and when that belief shifts then um, then everything else shifts. Um, but if you don't address the belief, it will keep coming back again and again in specific situations, like when you're in front of a, a room full of subject matter experts and maybe saying something a little challenging to them. 
Controversial. (laughs) I'm known for being a bit controversial, so that goes with the territory. So that's a great one. So the first myth was the myth that it's a personal flaw when it's very definitely not. What's the next one that you want to talk about under this? The 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 myth. Um, so for people who do know about imposter syndrome, and there's there's quite a lot of internet noise on imposter syndrome, and uh, one of those is that it affects women more than men. Um, this was because the early research was done on groups of women. And when they then measured men and women, women seemed to come out about 70%, men about 40%. But in the the mid nineties, there was research done where the survey was absolutely and completely confidential. And then the numbers of men and women came out equally. And so what what the other surveys had captured was just men's reluctance to talk about it. Um, and, and reveal that weakness. So that's a society thing on how men have been trained versus how women have been trained around how they're feeling and, and, and self-doubt. And that one actually resonates completely with me. Um, I was at an event a year ago now, it's COVID times, mm-hmm. um, and it was a, a specific part of it that was... Um, focused for women and it was helping women um to 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 get on stage to speak um and 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 a lot of the women there were there was a panel there and they were saying well you know it's easy for men you know men are conditioned men are trained it's so easy this is why we don't see enough women at events either as keynote speakers or or participating in panels um, because they suffer from imposter syndrome and and men don't suffer from imposter syndrome. That was actually said wow. by one of the panelists. Mm. And, and I put up my hand and I was shaking vigorously. And of course, I'm an old white man sitting mm. in a room full of women. Um, so of course, it's like, oh, what's the man got to say? And I said, no, sorry, look, I have to haul you up on that. I suffer terribly from imposter syndrome. And I said, at the very beginning of my speaking journey, I used to get so nervous about speaking that I would go and physically throw up in the toilet mm-hmm. before I got on stage. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the majority of the women that were in the audience there had actually seen me do a keynote speech earlier on that day. And they went, we don't believe you. That, that's absolute nonsense. I said, no, seriously, my coach took me through an entire process at the time to get rid of my stage fright because I had been put in a position I was in a in a high power corporate job and I was very used to talking in small environments and and in front of peers and things like that Mm -hmm. the first time I was told to get up on stage in front of 2,000 people um, at a massive event I I physically lost my voice. The first words out of my mouth were like, I was blowing bubbles. Mm -hmm. I really was. I lost my voice. My blood drained from me. I I looked at my notes, eyes glazed over, and I was an absolute mess for the first couple of seconds. Mm -hmm. And, And because of that, the next ones that I was asked to do 
I had complete stage fright and fear in anticipation of getting up on the stage because of my previous experience. And it just made it worse and worse where I would just get myself so ill for days leading up to an event. And I went, please, it's not a gender thing. A lot of the men may be too arrogant to actually admit, but deep down when you ask them, We've all got a journey to get over this, and we've all got to constantly reiterate, particularly when it's in front of a, a, a group of people who we're trying to measure ourselves against and go, are we worthy kind of a thing? Um, and, and of course, yes, you do get the personality types who, who completely think that they're better than everybody else and they don't suffer from anything because they, they're just looking down upon their, their audience. That's a different kind of a... Yes. But that I'm I'm glad to see that that's been backed up by research now that it's not a gender thing at all. Um, Do the women that you speak to, I mean, I have two daughters and I'm constantly trying to help them as well. And one of them I have coached um, to get over her fears of being on stage. And she's done a couple of of fairly major events now um, and and still gets nervous, but it's understandable. Mm -hmm. But the woman that you speak to, do they believe you or they just go, no, 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 it's definitely easier for men. I'm curious on the gender, the, the gender approach. I, I, I do. I do hear some women say that it's 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 just women, but the, the research backs it up and my client numbers back it up as well. My client numbers, actually, I have more men C-level execs than women because that's representative of their numbers, the, the, the demographic in that population. And, you know, I talk to hundreds of execs one-to-one about their imposter syndrome every year. And I see no difference between the men and the women whatsoever. And you bring a really important point that because it's such a toxic idea, this one, the mayhem, if you like, that comes out of this one, because it has women believing that there's something fundamentally wrong with being a woman. And it has men even keeping it more of a secret because they think it's a woman's thing and that makes them even, you know, less good enough in their eyes and, you know, even more of a flaw because it's... They see it as a blow to the ego. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, it must be a... Yeah, and I think that you've got to you've got to go through that, that you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to be one to admit, to say I suffer from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think a lot of the speakers that I admire that I have spoken to when they are willing to actually be open and honest, have all gone, I've been there. And I still occasionally get hit by it. And I've got to take some deep breaths and remind myself that I'm here for a reason. Um, and, and whatever that situation is, whether it's, it's public speaking or just simply interacting or writing something as well, mm-hmm. is, it, it, you know, it's not just a lot of people yeah, maybe it's just because of my bias from being in public speaking that I come al- across imposter syndrome with other public speakers, but it's not just in public speaking. It is in so many aspects of people's lives Absolutely. that this monster rears its ugly head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, I'm very glad that you're able to dispel that myth that it's not just woman and it's not at all gender related mm-hmm. we are all subject to this great myth to dispel <laughs> so what's the what's the next one what's the final one 
The final myth with imposter syndrome is, is that it's a confidence issue. Um, I work with uh, coaches. I, I, I run a, a training program for coaches on, on how to deal with imposter syndrome. And I see many coaches out there talking about the solution to imposter syndrome being confidence boosting. And, and it's, not, it's fundamentally not a confidence issue because people who are successful, they know intellectually that they're capable and competent. They know they can do it, but they're just not feeling it on the inside. And it's that gap between what they know and what they feel that causes the, the mayhem in this one, the, the confusion, the isolation, the anxiety and overwhelm and the exhaustion. And it can, learn to, it can lead to burnout and people ending their careers. So what's, what's the magic for this one? How do you get people, how do you explain to people, no, it's not a confidence thing at all. Um, and and I, I'm potentially a a one of the most confident people that i know i'm very confident about the stuff that i do i i i exude confidence i've been told uh, confidence i have been told in the past um but i admit that i also suffer from imposter syndrome so i know for a fact it's definitely not a confidence thing you can be the most confident person in the world and still suffer quite badly and and in my personal opinion the more self-aware you are, um, I, the more you will recognize that it's not a confidence thing. Because if you're very self-aware, you can be aware of the fact that you are confident. You're confident in your abilities to be able to do things. But you can, at the same time, still be aware of the fact that you, you suffer from imposter syndrome. So, so what's the matter? How do you help people to overcome that one? Well, so the, the, the reason that people think that it's a confidence issue is because it feels like a sudden loss of confidence, you know, like, yeah, like you describing the stage, right? It feels like it, um, although it's not. And um, the understanding there is that the belief that underlies imposter syndrome that drives all of it is unconscious in most people. People don't recognize that this is a belief about their worth, that they've tied what they do and who they are. Uh, they, they've tied them together. And, uh, and, and so if they do something good, they are good. If they do something bad, they are bad. And that's a belief that the vast majority of people hold. And so understanding then that it's an unconscious, so they won't see it. And, and just explaining that that confidence idea is just how how it's looking you know it's the difference between um symptoms and the cause fantastic now i'm going to even though you've 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 given us your your three monsters and myths well your three myths and and you've shared the magic to overcome them um I think it was quite serendipitous that you'd posted a post on LinkedIn today about um, the joy of giving somebody something that they had asked for. And immediately, you know, I, th th there were a whole lot of comments there around people having the confidence to ask what they want uh, or ask for what they want, shall I say. And, and one of the things that, that often comes up, particularly with people who both suffer from imposter syndrome and people in C-level or, or in leadership positions is they struggle to ask for help because mm -hmm. they see it as a sign of weakness. 
And this is a monster that stops so many people from achieving what they can. Because to me, I know there is no ways I can know everything I need to know. I know I have massive knowledge gaps and skills gaps. And one of the things that I learned very early on in my career is it's not a sign of weakness to ask ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, I, I'm not saying, you know, fire me, I'm useless at my job because I need some help. I'm saying you hired me to do something and I can do that very well. But actually there's this bit here that you've asked me to do that I need help because mm-hmm. I simply don't know how to do it. And, and so how would you help guide people to overcome this monster that acts as a barrier of being able to ask for what you want and particularly if what you need is some help Mm -hmm. that's a great that's a great one it it actually comes from the same belief because it is something that that shows up in imposter syndrome regularly it's tied to people's beliefs around success and what it means to be successful and sometimes you know school teachers that you have to pass the tests all by yourself (laughs) and it's cheating to ask somebody else (laughs) so 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 we get it from an early age and and as you say there's that idea of, of of help meaning um, meaning that it, uh, it, it's possibly a weakness when it, it's absolutely not. So addressing the belief. So the same piece of magic applies there. Um, there is another way you can do it. There's a, there's a technique, a psychological technique called gradual exposure, where you, as I said, do things gently. And there's a lovely example of doing something a bit bigger. Um, there's, a, there's a guy called Jia Zhang, J-I-A-J-I-A-N-G. He's written this lovely book called Rejection Proof. And what he did is is he found himself in that situation where he was too nervous to ask for a promotion to, you know, so this is is not the imposter syndrome. This is just in general. He was just a a generally anxious person and unwilling to ask for absolutely anything, didn't ask for um, pay raises, jobs, uh, (laughs) anything. And so what he did is set himself a challenge of 100 days of asking people the most ridiculous things. And and he videotaped them. So they're on YouTube. They're absolutely fantastic. But they're a lovely example. And his book's great as well of um, a way that you can kind of get used to the idea of that it's okay to ask for help. And I would say, you know, if if the issues are in the work environment, do that practice outside of work before you, you bring it in. <laughs> so you get used to it. Um, yeah. It's, to me, this is a critical life skill. And as you say, unfortunately, our current education system really instills that in us that we see everything as a test, everything in our personal lives and in our work lives, we struggle to ask for help because we, we've been, we, as you say, we've been through years of schooling where um, uh, help is cheating. You know, the exam is yours to take. It's your marks, you know, that kind of a thing. And we aren't encouraged to actually do something collaboratively. And then we stuck in a work environment or we go out into the world and in a social environment and we think that the same rules apply. And I deal with a lot of startups and startup founders. I'm involved in a couple of incubators and accelerators and things like that. And 
And one of the, the problems, and, and this was on one of my other guests as well, has brought it up, that, that she saw across founders was that a lot of the founders believe that venture capitalists and investors will expect them to have all the answers. Mm. They must always have the answers. And when, when they get asked a question, they always have to immediately have an answer straight away. And, and that's actually not the case at all. Mm. That when you're founding a startup, there will be a huge amount that you simply won't know. But there's a wealth of people who will be able to help guide you on that journey. That's the whole reason why non-executives exist and advisory boards and things like that. And the most successful founders that I've ever come across are the ones who have got an advisor or a couple of advisors or a, a trusted team and a trusted network around them that they can just pick up the phone or, or just say, hey, I just want to bounce some stuff off you. The least successful founders are the ones who have never, ever asked for help. Mm -hmm. And they make mistakes that all of us have seen so many times over and over again. And they make them because they are living under this belief of it's a weakness if I ask for help. And I can't possibly let anybody else see that I don't know all the answers in founding my startup. So it affects so many people's lives. And, and this whole concept of just be willing to ask for help. And I'm hoping that people who listen to this or who watch this episode will be willing to ask you for help specifically on how to overcome imposter syndrome, because it will make a dramatic change in their lives absolutely it really does yes thank you very much for coming on the show today i will put details on how to contact you in the show notes for anybody who's listening on podcast or watching they'll be down on the bottom go and click on the links and go and find out more about tara and don't be afraid to ask for her help thank you tara fabulous thank you very much andrew